Lazada Beats in Blood podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on all other major platforms. Welcome to the Blazada Beats in Blood podcast. I am your host, Blazada. And in this podcast, we celebrate our love for the theater. We take the stage and perform for anyone who will listen. We gather together to share our talents and passion as artists with the world. If this is your first time tuning in, you are in for a treat. I'll share with you a bit of history about our podcast. About two Halloweens ago, I wrote a short story about a young kid who's terrorized by a malignant entity from the woods. That story was called Reggie. I played the story for my family in a private setting and somehow I misplaced the audio file, so unfortunately it's lost to time. However, that event sparked my interest in sharing creepy stories for an audience. I started to ask my friends and family if they had any scary stories of their own, real or fictional that they would like to have produced. At that time, the only venue I had for these stories was YouTube, and the majority of the stories were only five to 15 minutes long. Some were real life traumatic events from their childhood. Others were moments when they experienced unexplainable phenomenon. My wife and current co-host of the show, Zelda, wrote her own short story, which would later be featured as the very first episode of the podcast. I discovered the platform Anchor, which allowed me an easy way to upload and distribute these stories with a wider audience. Since then, the podcast has taken off, reaching new listeners across the globe, from the UK to Australia. The storytellers who so generously share their time and words with the podcast allowed this venture to grow and I couldn't be more grateful. Now, towards the end of season two, we've produced new stories both fictional and non-fictional, and we've collaborated with many new storytellers from actors, radio show hosts, dancers, singers, small business owners, and some of our closest friends. I wrote the first official Halloween episode for the podcast last year, entitled The Feet That Followed Me, which if you haven't listened to yet, I recommend you do so before listening to this episode. That story, and especially its ending, still give many listeners goosebumps from what I've heard. For this year's Halloween episode, I wanted to do something bigger. I wrote a book only a few weeks ago entitled Ouija, a Blazada Beats and Blood original. I self-published this book, which is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many other online retailers. I wanted to tell a different story, one with roots in my interest for the supernatural but with a deeper message about love and its role in overcoming trauma. I put a call out on Instagram for voice actors, both experienced and new, who would be interested in lending their voices to the radio play version of my book. From many, I selected a diverse group of talented performers, and I am blown away with the way they were able to bring my characters to life. Over the last few weeks, I've been editing, directing via email, and composing a score and sound effect collection worthy of their collective performance. And so before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank everyone involved. I couldn't have made this episode without the efforts of my amazing performers, Nakia, Raven, Chuck, Eric, Crystal, Daniel, and Pedro. Your talent and expertise in your craft is astonishing. I'd like to thank my daughter, Violet October, and my boys Bruce and Wayne for making this story extra special. And last, but certainly not least, I'd like to thank my co-host Zelda, my vampire wife, my eternal dance partner, Mrs. Judy Chavez. Without your love and support, Blazada wouldn't exist. 
It's because of you that I can do what I love. And so I dedicate this episode to you. It's been a labor of love putting this episode together. And I won't lie, I am so happy it is finally done with. This is the longest episode of the podcast by far, coming in at just over 60 minutes. Be sure to stay tuned after the end of the show to hear the alternate ending that I wrote. I'm curious to know from all of you which ending you think best suits the story. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy this very special Halloween presentation of Ouija, a Blazada Beats and Blood original. Sarah and her husband Jareth are driving home late after a delicious dinner. It's raining heavily, and the highway road they are driving is dangerously slick. Flash flood warnings light up the interstate message boards. The headlights of their car illuminate the road ahead only by a few feet. The windshield wipers are running at full speed but are doing little good in the torrential downpour. Sarah sits in the passenger seat, staring nervously at the rain hitting outside of her window. I didn't know it was going to rain this much. You can barely see the road. Should we pull over somewhere until it stops? Mm, I'd really rather just keep going. The sooner we get out of the rain, the better. Everything's all flooded. We really should stop and wait it out. At least for a few minutes. I can text my sister and tell her we're going to be late. Sarah grabs her phone, but it slips out of her hands, falling below onto the floorboard. We're so close. I don't want to make your sister wait any later. We're already 30 minutes past when we said we'd be home. <laughs> I bet the kids are probably driving her nuts. Sarah unbuckles her seatbelt and reaches down to grab her phone. The buckle seatbelt chime starts to go off. Don't worry about Janet. She can handle him. Look how hard it's coming down. The back tires of the car lose traction on the water, and the back end slides suddenly. Oh, shit. Hey, will you slow down a bit? I'm going to speed limit. Hey, is your seatbelt off? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to find my phone. Can we pull over for a few minutes? What about that gas station? Sarah's husband peers through the windshield and sees a sign for a Valero. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'll get up at the next exit. Sarah reaches down by her feet for a few moments before finally finding her phone. She starts to text her sister that they'll be late. Her sister Janet begins to text back. That was such a great dinner. The food is so good. I love their cheesy bread. Oh, I know. Let's go there again next weekend. The seatbelt chime starts to get louder. Buckle passenger illuminates on the dashboard. Hey, my love. Your seatbelt? Oh, yeah. The car hits a patch of water and we hear the sound of tires skidding. Jareth grips the steering wheel tight and slams on the brakes. The tires lose traction and suddenly the car starts to spin out of control. Shit! Six months later. We fade from black and see rain hitting the outside of a window. We pull in and see people seated in the waiting lobby of a crowded restaurant. The chatter of hungry guests and clanking of cutlery fill the room. Sarah is leaning up against the wall near the window, staring at the rain. Her sister Janet is on her phone, sitting right next to her. Ugh, this place is way too crowded. We probably won't get a table for an hour. We should have gone to the Thai place. I don't know why you like it here so much. Sarah. Sorry, what? This place, crowded AF, probably won't get a table for a few years. What? Oh yeah, you're right. It's always crowded here. I never liked it here too much anyways. We would just come here for that cheesy bread you like so much. Janet looks at Sarah and tightens a frown. We can go somewhere else. Janet catches Sarah looking back at the rain hitting the window. No, no, it's fine. I don't mind waiting. Look, I'm going to get a drink. Do you want one? I'm okay. You go ahead. Just hurry back. Janet gets up to get a drink at the bar. 
Sarah looks around and sees a few families and couples eagerly waiting to be called. Sarah sees three small kids and their father waiting on the bench across from her. Sarah smiles. She looks away when one of the kids catches her staring. Hurry up, Janet. Sarah pulls out her phone and begins to send Janet a text when a couple approaches. Sarah? Yes. Oh, Sally, Jack, hey. Sally and her husband, Jack, each hug Sarah before sitting down next to her. Are you here all by yourself? No, Janet was just here. She went to grab a drink at the bar. Have you been? How's the rehab going? It's good. The doctors want me to be walking more, though. And the kids? We saw on Facebook that Helena had her bridging ceremony. Oh my gosh, yes. It's hard to believe she's already a junior. She's excited about going on her camping trip at the end of the year. She's getting so big. She looks more and more like her dad. Jack. What? I didn't mean anything by it. It's okay, really. Yeah, they're all getting to be so grown. The boys are going back into soccer, and Helena is starting to act like herself again. We're doing okay. That's good to hear. Well, we all have to get together soon. Are you doing anything next Saturday? Yeah, if you and Janet would like to come to our place, I can make some food and we can put on a movie. That sounds fun. If I can find a sitter to watch the kids, I'll let you know. Sally looks at Sarah for a moment, her lips tight and eyes sad. Okay, no pressure. Just let me know. The hostess in the lobby calls out. Sarah, party of two? The next evening, Sarah sits alone by the window working on her laptop. Her kids are watching TV in the other room. She looks up and stares at the steady stream of rain hitting the outside of the window. She slowly closes her laptop and walks over to check in on her kids. The lamp where Sarah was sitting mysteriously shuts off. Her kids are laying on the couch, staring blankly at the TV in the dark. She shakes her head and reaches over to turn on the light. Are y'all okay? The kids are watching the movie Jumanji, Lovely. She looks at the kids. The boy's eyes are fixed on the TV. Her daughter Helena is crocheting a scarf. Kids, I need you all to start getting ready for bed. It's getting late. Five more minutes and then it's lights out. The kids don't respond to her. She huffs and goes back to her spot by the window. She thinks for a moment and then grabs her phone. She gets onto Google, searches for family board games, and then starts scrolling. She looks past results and sees nothing that her kids would be interested in. She gets onto Facebook. Her eyes catch an ad on her timeline that reads, Vintage board games, perfect for family game nights, free, in her neighborhood. She messages the seller and asks for the address. The next day, Sarah is seen working in her office. Rain falls lightly on the window. She receives a message to her phone. It reads, Hello, you messaged me yesterday about my board game collection. Feel free to come check out what I have. Here's my address. Her eyes light up and she immediately sends a response. Thank you so much. I can stop by after work. Just need to make my kids dinner. Later that night, back at Sarah's house, Sarah's sister Janet is sitting with the kids on the couch as Sarah prepares to leave. The kids' belly should be full. They ate a big dinner. If they ask for a snack, they can have fruit. Oh, and make them brush their teeth before bed. Sister, don't worry about your kids. You know I'll take good care of them. Oh, I know. They're just gremlins after dark. I won't be gone long anyways. This place is just down the street. I still can't believe you're going to walk out right now in the rain. Are you sure you don't want me to drive you? No, I'll be fine. I don't want the kids out in the rain anyway. Sarah turns on the hallway light and slips on her rain boots. I have my umbrella, I've got my boots, I'll be fine. Plus, I need to get my walking time in. Okay, weirdo. Say bye to your kids before you begin your journey. Bye, my little angels. The boys are sitting on the couch playing their favorite video game so they don't look up. Helena looks up towards her mom, smiles, and waves. Sarah walks out from her home and into the steady rain. She holds her umbrella tight and quickly makes her way down the sidewalk. She follows the GPS on her phone and it takes her down a dead-end street she hasn't seen before. The street lights are all out on this part of the road and there only seems to be one house at the end. She steps hurriedly towards the house and up the steps. She rings the doorbell. 
Sarah peers through a window and notices all lights are off inside of the house, except for a lone candle on a table just beyond the front door. She knocks and says, Hello? The door creaks open. Hi. You messaged me about picking up the board games? Sarah can only make out the silhouette of a person in the darkness and waits nervously for a response. The door opens and Sarah hears a voice say, Come in. Sarah slowly steps into the dark foyer of the large house. It's eerily quiet, except for the sound of wood floors creaking just below her feet. The sound of a striking match suddenly cuts the silence. The face of an older woman comes into view, and we see her light a candle on a table. Sorry about the dark. The storm knocked out the power on my block, so it's only candlelight till it comes back on. I'm Jillian. Oh, that, that's alright. I'm Sarah. The old woman motions Sarah to sit at the table in the living room. Sarah shakes her umbrella and carefully takes a seat. The old woman grabs a box from the top shelf and brings it onto the table. Sarah looks around and sees bookshelves lined with strange glass vials, piles of miscellaneous coins, and rows of tattered books. Her eyes fix upon what looks like a cow skull and plain cards spread across a nearby desk. These are really neat antiques. Are you getting ready for a garage sale? No. Sarah smiles nervously and looks at an unsettling portrait in the corner. Jillian takes out an assortment of what looks like weathered game boxes. Dust lines each box as if they haven't been touched in years. Don't be shy. You can take them all. I have no need for them. I'm clearing out space for some books that I just added to my collection. Really? Wow. Thank you. When I saw your listing, I thought these would be a great way to peel my kids off the screens. My kids used to love playing board games, so I'm sure they'll get a kick out of these. Used to? Yeah, well, their father and I would do family game night. His favorite was Scrabble. The kids stopped playing after. Well, it's been a while. He's, he's no longer with us. Jillian takes a long look at Sarah and frowns. She turns to grab another box off the shelf. She sets the box carefully on the table in front of Sarah and brushes off some dust. Here. Maybe you can get some use out of this. Sarah smiles nervously and takes the box into her hands. She pulls the box into the candlelight to reveal the word Ouija. Oh, <laughs> how cute. I always heard about these. It looks so real. It is real. It's not meant for your kids to play with, though. It's a means of communication to the other side. Sarah scoffs and gives Jillian a teasing look. Oh, oh, you're serious? Yes. If you treat this with sincerity, it can help connect you with the spirit world. But it's a board game. To most people, yes. To those without faith, just cardboard and plastic. Have you lost your faith? That's none of your business. Wouldn't you like a way to communicate with those whom you've lost? Your loved ones? Your husband? Look, I only came here for some board games for my kids to play. Not to be lectured or lured into some black magic nonsense. Keep your board games. Sarah grabs her stuff and storms towards the front door. She opens the door and steps onto the porch. The rain is pouring. As Sarah opens her umbrella, Jillian grabs her hand. Sarah turns around abruptly. I didn't mean to offend. I only wanted to help. Jillian hands Sarah the box of games. When we've lost faith, it can feel like we're all alone. Sometimes we need to step out into the darkness to find our way back. She places Sarah's hand onto the Ouija box. When you're ready, this will help light the way. Sarah looks back at her, still angry and confused. She walks away into the rain, away from Jillian's house, and into the night. Later that night, Sarah sits on her bed, drinking a cup of tea and watching TV. 
She says she's sorry for taking the bumblebee pendant. She just likes it a lot. What? Sarah gets up from her bed and walks out into the hall towards her kids' bedrooms. She turns on the hallway light and peeks into their rooms and sees them tucked into their beds, peacefully asleep. Her daughter Helena is holding the board game tightly under her arm, called Don't Wake Daddy. She looks into her boy's room and sees both boys fast asleep, the game pieces of hungry, hungry hippos scattered all over the floor. She walks in, tussles their hair, places a soft kiss on each cheek, and turns on their closet light. She walks back to her room and sits down at the edge of her bed. She rubs her eyes with the palms of her hands and notices her TV set is off. She looks confused for a second before turning it back on. You came to the place where they buried her. She looks over to the remaining box of games resting on her nightstand. The Ouija board game is slightly poking out from above the box, its letters glistening ever so slightly in the warm glow of the lamplight. She gets up and walks over, pulls out the Ouija board and places it gently on a nearby table. A tattered piece of paper slips out and falls to the floor. Sarah picks it up and reads the message to herself. She looks upset for a moment, then crumples up the paper. She turns and looks towards her closet, where Jareth's clothes and shoes still sit untouched. She walks over towards the Ouija board and grabs it out of the box. One week later, Sarah and Janet arrive at Sally and Jack's house. They walk up the steps, onto the porch, and ring the doorbell. This should be fun. I'm glad you finally told them yes. Yeah, they'd been asking for a while and I kept putting them off. Janet notices Sarah's carrying a bag with a Ouija box inside. Why did you bring that creepy Ouija board with you? Oh, I thought it'd be fun. Sally loves this kind of stuff. When we were younger, she always was into Wiccan and Gothic things. I figured she might know how to use it. Sally and Jack open the door. Hey! Everyone gives one another a warm embrace before walking in. Come on in, y'all. Get out of this nasty rain. Sarah and Janet hang up their raincoats and wet umbrellas on the coat rack. Sally and Jack guide them to the dining room. I hope y'all are hungry. The food's just about done. Can I get y'all anything to drink? Wine? Water? Wine? <laughs> I would love a glass of wine. How about you, Sarah? Sarah hesitates for a moment. Well, okay, sure. That's my girl. Jack, would you mind? You got it. I'll get the glasses. Sarah sits down next to Janet and places the box by her feet. Here you go. Just say when. Jack pours the wine into each glass while Sally approaches with a charcuterie board. Thank you. That's perfect. For me, it's Bacardi 151, baby. Jack pours himself a glass. So since it's spooky season, we have the perfect movie lined up. Have either of you seen The Conjuring 8? I've been wanting to see that one. I've heard good things. Sarah reaches into her bag from underneath the table. I actually brought a board game that I thought would be fun for us to play. Oh yeah? What is it? So I got this from one of my neighbors on Facebook. Sarah places the Ouija board game onto the table. A Ouija board? Oh my god, I love it. I haven't used one of those in years. Jack stares quietly at the box. Sarah, have you used one of these before? No, but I was kind of hoping we'd all try it out together. Jack looks over concerned at Sally, who's gleaming with excitement. Oh, come on, babe. It'll be fun. We can play right after dinner. Sarah smiles relieved. Sounds good to me. Janet takes a big drink from her glass. <sighs> Great! Sally, Jack, Janet, and Sarah all sit around the dining room table. The Ouija board box sits in the center. It's a wooden rectangular board with rows of letters and numbers in the center. The words yes on the top left and no on the top right corner accent the board, while the word goodbye lines the bottom. A heavy ceramic planchette pointer sits just off to the side. Thunder and lightning shake the house as Sally walks around the room, lighting candles. Sarah and Janet look over at each other as Jack takes a deep breath. Okay, so a few things to keep in mind, y'all. 
From what I remember, you're not supposed to ask the board to predict death or how you'll die. It's strictly forbidden. Jack shakes his head and Janet looks over at Sarah with a furrowed brow. If the planchette ever moves off the board, you have to turn it upside down to immediately rid yourself of any danger. Sarah stares intently at Sally. Don't ever throw the board away. If for some reason you don't want it anymore, you have to burn it. This rids the board of any lingering spirits. You have to end every session by pointing the planchette to the word goodbye to close the portal. And Sarah, don't ever play this by yourself or else you could be drawn into the other side. Sarah smiles back at Sally. Sally winks back. Okay, everyone, place your hands on the planchette. Everyone places their hands into the center. Sally makes a circle with the planchette four times, once for each of them. Are there any spirits here that would like to say hello? Sarah breathes out as everyone at the table waits quietly. The rain softens up and low thunder rumbles in the distance. Sarah looks up at Sally after a long, uncomfortable moment. Is there anyone here with us tonight with anything to say? Jack lets out an audible sigh. <sighs> Come on, are we really doing this? Babe, hush. Janet looks at her sister, whose eyes are closed. Her hands are shaking slightly on the planchette. Sally looks over at Janet and Jack with a tight smile. After a few seconds, Sarah opens her eyes. I'm sorry, this was a stupid idea. Suddenly, the planchette moves to the word yes. Janet and Jack both look at one another, concerned. What would you like to tell us? Sarah looks up at Sally as the planchette starts to pull down towards the letters. The planchette points to the letters S-E-A-T, seat. Okay, what is this? Sarah, can you tell us your name? The planchette doesn't budge. What are you trying to tell us? It slowly starts to move and spells the word seatbelt. A single tear starts to roll down Sarah's cheek. Sally and Jack look at one another while Sarah stares at the board. I don't like this, Sarah. What are you doing? I'm not doing anything. We need to stop. Suddenly, the planchette jerks over to the word no, pulling everyone's hands with it. Jack's glass of alcohol knocks over, spilling onto his sleeve. The candle between Jack and Sarah falls towards him, igniting the alcohol and a flame burns his hand. Jack leaps out from his seat, his chair tumbling to the floor. Sally quickly grabs a towel and pats away the flame, frantic and upset. Jack's hand is bright red. Damn it! Yells Jack. Sarah and Janet both look up in shock. His face is flushed red. Sarah, what the hell? I'm... I... Janet looks over at Sarah. All right, I've had enough of this. Jack! It was an accident. Sarah looks down at the board and the planchette has fallen off to the side, closest to Jack. Sarah, why did... Sarah shakes her head. I didn't. I didn't move the thing. It just fell on its own. You all saw it. Sarah, maybe it's best if y'all leave. Jack grabs the planchette and board and places it into the box. Jack, I'm, I'm sorry. I... Jack hands the box back to Sarah. Goodbye, Sarah. We next see Janet and Sarah standing on the porch as Sally stands holding the door open a bit. Hi. Sally slowly closes the door. The porch light is turned off. Rain falls quietly on the ground as Janet and Sarah both open their umbrellas and walk towards Janet's car. Jeez. You okay? I don't know. Well, he deserved it anyway. I was going to kick him under the table before you knocked over that candle on him. What do you mean? I didn't touch it. What? So the ghost did it? Did we anger the ghost? Did you not see what came up on the board? Yeah, I was wondering when you would stop. That wasn't me. Why would I? You know what? Forget it. Just take me home. Sarah walks towards Janet's car and Janet stands for a moment, looking at Sarah before getting in. The next evening, we see Sarah sitting by the living room window on her laptop. Her sister Janet is in the kitchen preparing dinner. Sarah is Googling information on the Ouija board. 
we see her click on a site that says the history and the origins of Ouija. Pictures from the 1800s populate the page, and Sarah reads a bit that says, Maths, deaths, and the Civil War created a widespread desire to contact the dead, and mediums began marketing their services in major cities around the country. Everyone lost a father, a son, an uncle. Many families had to grapple with the bodies of their loved ones never being recovered, and spiritual devices like the Ouija board entered questions that no one else could. They gave people peace of mind because they couldn't get answers any other way. Janet yells to the kids. Kids, dinner's almost ready. Auntie needs y'all to put up the game and set the table. The boys run to the restroom and Sarah's daughter Helena gets up slowly. Sarah stares intently at the screen. Janet approaches Sarah from behind. I am addressing the living. What? Oh, sorry. I was just researching something. She closes her laptop abruptly. So, have you heard back from Sally? No, I can see she saw my text, but she just left me unread. Just give it some time. It'll blow over. Sarah looks back at her with a forced smile. Come on, let's eat. Later that night, we see Sarah's daughter brushing her teeth in her bedroom while the boys play with their toys in the bunk beds. Their room is dark, except for the warm glow of twinkling lights hung up along their ceiling. Rain lightly hits the window just outside of Sarah's bedroom. Her sister Janet is gathering her stuff to leave and heads to her niece and nephew's rooms to tell them bye. We see Sarah pacing in her bedroom with her hands crossed and a blank stare across her face. Janet knocks on Sarah's bedroom door. Hey, I'm taking off now. Oh yeah, right, sister. Thank you so much for everything. No problem. The kids wore me out, so I'm going home to sleep. Janet notices Sarah has the Ouija board open on her nightstand. Hey, I thought you were done with that thing. You're not supposed to play it by yourself, remember? I thought you didn't buy into any of this. I don't, but I also don't think you should be poking around with stuff you don't understand. Well, the thing is, I've been reading about how this works. I was thinking before you leave, maybe we can try using it again. Maybe we can get some clearer results this time. What exactly are you hoping will happen? Do you want to invite some spirit into your house? Do you want something in here with you and the kids? Nothing like that is going to happen. Oh yeah? How do you know for sure? I just do, okay? Sarah... Look, will you just do this with me? I'm not supposed to use this alone. And I need you here with me for support. Sarah, does any of this have to do with that night of the accident? Sarah looks down and puts her hand to her temple. Janet scoffs and looks away for a moment. Sister, this this isn't good for you. This isn't how you move on. You need to let Sir, go of... Please, just... Janet stops and looks down for a moment. She crosses her arms before nodding her head. Okay. Janet and Sarah set up the Ouija board on the dining room table. Sarah turns off the kitchen lights, which flicker off and on for a moment. Heavy wind and rain bombard the outside of the house. Janet lights a few candles beside the table and takes a seat across from Sarah. Sarah circles the planchette twice in the center of the board and takes Janet's hand in hers. The two sisters place their fingers on the planchette and take a deep breath. Hello. We wish to speak to anyone who might be listening. Is there someone here with us tonight? The planchette stays put in the center of the board. Janet looks down at Sarah's hands, which are trembling. Janet closes her eyes. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out to find someone who I love very much. I'm not sure if this person can hear me, but if they can, I want this person to know how much I miss him. Suddenly, the planchette begins to move. Sarah and Janet both look at the board. The planchette points to the letter I. M-I-S-S-Y-O-U. I miss you. Sarah begins to sob. Janet looks at Sarah before looking away. Sarah, why are you doing this to yourself? Janet takes her hands away from the planchette, pulling it off the board and onto the table. Sarah looks up at her sister. Janet, what are you doing? I'm sorry. 
I can't do this. Janet gets up from the chair and steps away from the table. Janet! Janet walks towards the wall and rubs her hands through her hair. Sarah puts the planchette back into the box. I can't sit here and listen to this and watch you fall apart. Not again. Sarah looks at her sister, her eyes wide and silent. Sister, I love you, but I have to tell you, this scares me. I can't do this anymore. I did this to help you find some peace, but this is clearly causing more pain. You know I'll always be here for the kids, no matter what, for whatever they need, but this is too much. You're really not here with them. I mean, not in the way that matters. They're confused, and they don't know how to process this. We've all mourned, but this... This isn't allowing us to really heal. It's only opening up the wounds again. For your sake, and for the kids' sake, you need to let go of your grief and move on. Sister, I hear you. But I need this to heal. I need this to move on. I understand why you're not as invested in this as I am, but I need you to understand me. I have things that I need to say to him. And even if it's just a stupid piece of plastic and wood, even if it's just me talking to myself, I need you to understand it and accept it. What I need is for my sister to support me and not to make me feel like I'm neglecting my children. If you can't, just remember that you didn't lose anyone that night. Janet can't bear to look at Sarah. But I did. Janet turns and picks up her purse. Goodbye, sister. Janet leaves the room and shuts the door. night. We see Janet helping her niece and nephews with their luggage. They pack Janet's car with their belongings as Sarah looks down from her bedroom window. Janet looks up towards Sarah's window before getting into her car and driving away. Sarah walks down the stairs. The house is eerily silent without the sounds of her kids or her sister. We see her walking into their rooms, their beds neatly made and hauntingly quiet. She turns on their lamps and hallway lights to make the house feel less empty. She walks to the dining room table and pulls out her phone. We see multiple texts from Sarah to her sister and to her friend Sally, but with no response. She starts to call her sister, but then ends the call abruptly. She goes through her phone photos and finds a picture of her husband with her kids at one of the boys' soccer games. She smiles for a moment before closing her phone and looking out the window. Later that night, we see Sarah getting ready for bed. She exits her bathroom, turns on the hallway light, and grabs a towel from the linen closet. She sits down to towel dry her hair at the edge of her bed. She plugs her phone into charge when she hears rapid footsteps coming from the hall. She picks up her remote and mutes the TV. She listens intently for a moment before asking. Kids? Sister? It's deathly quiet. Sarah stares down the hallway just beyond her bedroom door. Her eyes are open wide as she scans every inch of the hallway for the source of the footsteps. She slowly reaches to her right to grab her phone. She looks down for a second, then suddenly hears three loud Sarah leaps up from the bed. Hello? It's at that moment that a large dark shadow moves across the hall. Sarah screams and runs to shut the door. She rips her phone from the cord and dials 911. 911 emergency response. What's your emergency? There's someone in my house. I need police here right now. Okay, ma'am. We'll get an officer out right away. What is your address? I, I don't, I'm sorry. Can you please just...
just send someone to my location? Ma'am, I cannot track your location. I'm going to need you to verify the closest intersection or cross streets. It's Arvada and Edgewater. It's the third house on the northwest corner. Please hurry. I'll have an officer on the way, ma'am. Moments later, blue and red flashing lights are seen coming from the road towards Sarah's house. Sarah is standing outside, drenched from the rain. A police officer steps out of his vehicle and approaches a shaken Sarah. Good evening, ma'am. Are you the homeowner who called in the burglary? Yes, yes. Someone or some people are in there. Okay, ma'am. And you're all right? Yes, yes, I'm fine. Okay, ma'am. Wait here by the vehicle. I'll return once I've cleared the area. The police officer unholsters his gun and slowly walks into the front door while Sarah waits by the car. Sarah holds her phone and tries dialing Janet. Call failed. A few moments later, the officer walks out of the house and towards Sarah. He speaks into his radio. All clear, dispatch. The property has been secured. No signs of any assailants on the property. Sarah looks bewildered. Excuse me, sir. I know someone was in my house. I heard at least one person, maybe more. You saw an individual? Well, I saw them move, their shadow in my hallway, near my bedroom. And you heard voices? I heard whispers. I know I did. There was no way someone wasn't in my house. Whispers? Yes, please. You have to check again. Ma'am, the property is clear. I found no evidence of a forced entry. You can contact the local substation to request a unit to patrol the area if you see any suspicious activity. But for now, I can confirm there are no assailants on the premises. I'm going to give you my card. It has the number to the local station. If you see anything, give us a call. Sarah looks down at the card, and it states Officer Brad, badge number 1010. The officer gets into his vehicle, makes a U-turn, and slowly drives away. Sarah looks back at her house before slowly walking back in. She stands in the open doorway for a moment before locking the door behind her. The next morning, Sarah sits at the breakfast table with her head in her hands. Her eyes are red and heavy, having not slept at all during the night. A heavy storm shakes the house and a gusty wind blows the trees just outside of the window. Sarah picks up her phone to check for any calls or texts from Janet or Sally. Nothing. She slams down her phone and gets up from the table. She looks at the Ouija board that sits in the middle of her living room. It's turned towards her, inviting her to play again. Lightning strikes outside, knocking out the power in the house, leaving Sarah bathed in darkness. We next see Sarah walking quickly in the heavy rain as rising water floods the street. She approaches Jillian's house and sees multiple cars parked in the driveway. Sarah slowly walks past them, up the steps and onto Jillian's porch. She quickly knocks on the front door. Sarah stands on the porch, soaked head to toe from the rain. She sees Jillian walking towards the front door. Jillian looks through the window and unlocks the hinge. Oh, hello again, Sarah. Hi. I'm so sorry to intrude, but is now a good time to talk? Of course. Come in. Sarah enters the house, which is still quiet and dark. She looks around and notices it's nearly empty. The walls are bare, and the furniture is mostly all gone, except for a table in the front room, lit by a lone candle. Sorry, I, I saw cars parked in your driveway. I just assume you had company. Family is here, yes. But for right now, it's just you and me. What can I do for you, Sarah? Sarah and Jillian both sit at the table. Are you moving? Where are all of your belongings? I got rid of some unnecessary things. I've been holding on to these relics for far too long. Well, um, I came here today for some help. I'm, I'm feeling very overwhelmed at the moment. Okay. Well, what has you overwhelmed? Everything. Ever since I came to you, strange things have been happening to me that I, I can't explain. Well, okay. What sort of things? Well, to be honest, I feel like I have 
brought something into my home, a presence that I can't explain and worried it's because of the Ouija. At first it felt like something familiar. This is gonna sound insane, but I thought that I made contact with my husband. I felt like he was talking to me through the board. For a second, I really believed it. Now I'm not so sure who I've been speaking to. I see. Something happened when my sister and I took the Ouija to my friend's house for a seance. What happened? I may have accidentally set my friend's husband on fire. You what? He was fine. He wasn't hurt, but because of that, my friend has stopped talking to me. She hasn't returned any of my calls and texts. Now my sister's upset at me, and she thinks I'm crazy. She wants me to stop using this thing and says I need to move on from my husband's death. She left the house and took my kids to stay with her. Now I'm stuck dealing with whatever the hell this thing is alone. I never should have messed with this. Sarah takes out the Ouija box from her coat and throws it onto the table. Your sister must care about you very much. It sounds to me like she's only concerned for you. When did these disturbances begin? After the second seance we had in my home. Oh, I see. Well, there's no need to worry, Sarah. What you're experiencing are the spirits who now occupy your home. They mean you no harm. I'm sorry? When you hold a seance in your home, you open a door to the other side and invite spirits who are near and they may be trying to say something to you. Great, so what do I do now? My sister abandoned me and now I'm all alone dealing with these spirits in my home? Sarah, you are not alone. You have a family that loves you very much. And I really believe that they only want what's best for you. Since you've opened the door to your home for these spirits, you're going to have to be the one to close it. I believe the spirit you've been speaking to, whether it's the spirit of your husband or not, is trying to tell you something, something of meaning, and you need to be the one to figure out what that is. Your sister is right in telling you that you need to move on. But you have to be the one to decide how and when that happens. I don't know if I can. Okay, look. I want you to do something for me, Sarah. Have one final seance with the Ouija. But this time, I want you to just listen. Don't ask the board or the spirits any questions. Just listen. And maybe, just maybe, you will get the answers you're looking for. I'll lead the seance, and I'll reach out into the abyss for you. You have my word that nothing will harm you or your family. If you do make contact with the spirit of your husband, I'll make sure that connection stays open for as long as you need. When you've heard what you need to hear, you'll be the one to close it. Sarah nods slowly. Okay. Let's begin. Sarah is seated at the table while Jillian walks around the room, swinging the container that fills the room with cleansing sage. Sarah lets out a deep breath. A single lit candle flickers in front of her. The rain outside of the house is now getting stronger. Jillian places Sarah's hands onto the planchette as she makes a circle onto the board eight times. Sarah looks up at Jillian, confused. With her eyes closed, Jillian begins to speak. I kindly ask any spirits connected to this board to speak to Sarah and tell her your reason for occupying her home. Why have you chosen to contact her? Why now? She is lost 
burdened with grief and needs closure to find peace. Will you help Sarah find peace? Will you guide her beloved husband to this beacon so that she may hear from him and find what she's looking for to heal? Sarah looks down at the planchette, but it does not move. She looks up at Jillian, who looks back at her, disappointed, and shakes her head. Sarah looks down at the board as the planchette lays still. Her eyes are closed tightly and she holds onto the planchette, waiting for even the slightest movement. Jareth, I'm tired. I feel like I've been holding on to you for so long. I know it's only been a few months since the accident, but it's been an eternity for me. We had so many plans together. Places I wanted us to go, things, things I wanted us to do. We were supposed to watch our kids grow up together, play with our grandkids together. Then all of a sudden you're gone. Now I'm left here trying to hold everything together, trying to put on a happy face for the sake of our kids or for my sister, our friends alone. just some fool talking to her dead husband. I thought if I used this stupid thing somehow, in some way, I'd be able to talk to you. And I convinced myself that there was a chance. I convinced myself that I had found you. I, I don't know, maybe I was just seeing what I wanted to see. Maybe it's time I stopped doing this. Stop trying to hold on to the past, to what I've lost. Maybe it's time I let go of you and move on. Jillian lets go of the planchette. Sarah? Her eyes open wide. We see Jareth seated at the table next to Jillian with his hands on the planchette. Sarah's sister Janet, Sarah's three children, and her friends Sally and Jack are seated all around the table. Sarah looks around the room, but she's still all alone, still shrouded in darkness. Sarah, I can't see you, but it feels like you're right here. If you can hear me, just listen. I've never stopped looking for you. In the stars, in my dreams, in the darkness. I've been trying to find a way to talk to you just one more time to tell you how much I miss you. I never used to believe in God or anything spiritual, but that all changed when I met you. You had so much faith and you always did so much good for others that I figured you must be some kind of saint. And because of that, you gave me faith. Faith that there can be something more than just what we can see. And ever since you passed, I've had this feeling that something or someone has been watching over us. There's been this warm presence in our home, as if you were right there in the room. And it's given me comfort when I needed it the most. I know it's been you. It has to have been you. You've been the light of my life, even after you died. Sarah looks up in shock, with tears in her eyes. She sees Jillian, who's standing by the window of the room, holding a lit candle in her hand. Why? Why didn't you tell me? Every lost spirit has to find their own way out of the darkness. I simply handed you a light. Tears stream down Sarah's cheek. Jillian walks around the table, illuminating Sarah's family and friends seated beside her. Sarah can see them clearly now. She looks up at her sister, who's seated across from her. Sister, I love you, but I have to tell you, I don't want to be talking to you through this stupid thing. I want you here. I want to hug you, or at least see you, but I can't, and it's ripping me apart inside. You know I'll always be here for the kids, no matter what, for whatever they need. 
being there on has been the biggest joy of my life and I still see so much of you in them. And their Uncle Brad and I love them so much as if they were our own. When you left, I wasn't sure how I'd be able to go on. You were my baby sister, and you'd always been my best friend. I could always talk to you about anything, no matter how far apart we were. So now, even though you're not here, I still feel like I can talk to you, and I know what you would say. I don't think anything will ever change that. But I do have to let you go, so that you can go on and get some rest. I'll always love you, sister. Sister. We see Sarah's three kids pull the planchette close. Sarah's two young boys stand beside her daughter Helena. Her daughter Helena begins to speak. Mom, we know you're here. When the boys and I are in our rooms at night, we can feel you standing right there in the hall, watching over us. We're not scared because we can recognize you. We feel your warmth and it's comforting. When it's dark, we know it's you who turns on the light. When it's quiet at night and Dad's asleep, we try talking to you. We whisper so Dad doesn't wake up and hear us. Sarah thinks back to when she heard whispers and footsteps in her room at night. She smiles when she realizes it was her children all along. When we say our prayers at night, the prayers you taught us, we say one for you too. We pray that you're happy, that you're with Grandpa, and that you'll never forget us. We love you, Mom. Thank you for being our angel. Goodbye, Goodbye Mommy. Goodbye, my babies. Sarah turns to Jillian, who is now seated right next to her. So, everything since the night of the accident, Everyone I spoke to, everything I did, was anything real? When we pass on, the memories from our life and the people we loved become projections in our afterlife. Those projections will seem real as they have with you. They shape the world we enjoy in eternity. Sometimes, though, we won't realize that we've passed on. When that happens, we can instead be lost in limbo, talking to projections that are lesser versions of the loved ones we once knew. When Jareth contacted me for help in reaching you, we used the Ouija board and found you right away. But I could sense you were stuck, lost in limbo, in sadness. I could sense your struggle and confusion. And so I wanted to help you discover the truth of your death so that you could come to terms with it, to find the peace you needed to move on to the afterlife. Sarah remembers what Jillian told her when they first met. When we've lost faith, it can feel like we're all alone. Sometimes we need to step out into the darkness to find our way back. Sarah looks back at Jared. He sits beside her, holding the planchette close to him. I can't believe that one of the last things I said to you was to put on your seatbelt. I wish I had told you how beautiful you look that night. I've been avoiding enjoying life for so long, not wanting to live it without you. I've cut myself off from the world because I've been so angry. Angry at the world for taking you. Angry for not being able to save you when it mattered most. But all that anger led nowhere and did nothing but waste time. You would always say that things happen for a reason. But for so long, I never understood what reason there could be for you dying in the accident. But now I realize that it had nothing to do with it. But with 
time. Your passing taught me how precious our time here is on earth and how important it is to cherish every moment of it. I don't think I ever would have learned how true that was without losing you. Even though this hurts more than I can bear, I have to keep moving forward for our kids, for myself, but really for you. And so I will. That's my promise to you. Sarah tearfully places her hand over Jared's. He wipes away a tear and takes a deep breath. I'll join you when it's my time, my love. Until then, just save me a seat. With their hands together, Jared and Sarah each move the planchette over to the word goodbye on the Ouija boards. Goodbye, my love. Jillian blows out the candle and the room is suddenly bathed in white. Sarah looks around, amazed at the beauty of the light around her. She hears strings playing majestically and tearfully smiles. Jillian is gone, and we see that the rain in the story has finally come to an end. She looks to her left, towards the window, and sees sunlight and blue sky for the first time. The sunlight is so blinding, and we see Sarah slowly close her eyes. her eyes. We see her seated in the lobby back at the restaurant from the beginning of the story. Quiet murmurs and the clattering of forks and plates fill the room. Many other people are beside Sarah on the bench. She looks around and sees the same group of kids she saw waiting with her dad from earlier, except now they're grown, with kids of their own. She recognizes them as her own children and smiles. A woman slowly walks back from the bar and sits down on the bench next to Sarah, carrying two drinks in hand, who she recognizes as her sister. She watches as Janet hands Amanda a drink, who Sarah recognizes as Officer Brad. He gives Janet a kiss on the cheek as Sarah notices wedding bands on their hands. Sarah laughs and smiles. Sarah hears the hostess call. Sarah, party of two? She gets up slowly and walks towards the hostess, only to notice that it's Jillian. Sarah looks taken aback for a moment, but then shakes her head and smiles knowingly. Jillian returns the smile and motions for Sarah to follow her to her booth. Jillian guides Sarah towards a lone empty booth at the very corner of the restaurant. Jillian places her hand on Sarah's shoulder and nods to the booth. Sarah nods back and slowly walks towards the table. She sees a lit candle on the plate of cheesy bread in the middle. She smiles as she takes a seat. Sarah looks around the room and sees someone walking towards her from the lobby. As he gets closer, she recognizes him and laughs. It's her husband, Jareth. He's an old man now, dressed in a suit and tie, and still has the same eyes Sarah remembers from their youth. He smiles warmly at her. Sarah slyly motions for Jareth to take the seat across from her. Jareth obliges as he extends his hand to her across the table. She reaches out and interlocks her hand in his. They lock eyes, but don't say a word. We see them both slowly lean in for a kiss as the noise of the restaurant quiets and the scene fades to white. The End I'd like to thank all of the voice actors for being a part of this very special Halloween episode. Eric Salas, Nakia Seacrest, Raven Napoli, Crystal Tayaba, and Chuck Vance. 
I'd like to thank my brothers Pedro and Daniel Chavez, as well as my daughter Violet October and my boys Bruce Indigo and Wayne Gray for making their appearances in the episode. A very special thank you to my wife Judy Zelda Chavez for supporting me in this venture and always inspiring me to do more. Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining us on this Halloween. And I hope you and your family have a safe and spooky rest of your holiday. To buy the book version of this radio play, search Ouija and Blazada on Amazon. Be sure to buy one for your friends and family this holiday season. Until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. Sarah opens her eyes and is blinded by sunlight. The sun is peering in through her bedroom window. She puts up her hand to her face to block out the light. Sarah hears the sound of majestic strings and reaches over to turn off her phone alarm. We see her laying in bed alone, wrapped up in the tussled bedsheets. She suddenly realizes where she is and sits up. She looks around the room and sees Jared's clothes and shoes in their closet. She hears whispers coming from the hall and looks directly at her open door. Her eyes are wide and her face is still as her heart begins to beat violently. Suddenly, Sarah's kids burst into the room and jump onto her bed. Mom, mom, happy anniversary! Sarah lets out a startled laugh and embraces her kids kissing their foreheads and shedding joyful tears. Dad's downstairs making you breakfast. He's what? Where are y'all going for dinner tonight? Somewhere fancy or that same boring Italian spot he likes so much? Um, I'm not sure. Can you send him up here real quick? The boys run out of the room shouting, Dad! 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 Helena smiles at her mom and plants a kiss on her cheek. Bye, Mom. And slides off the bed and out of the room. Sarah, her eyes still wet, sits up in bed and turns on her bedroom TV. The news is on, but the sound is off. We see the meteorologist talking about tonight's weather, which calls for heavy storms and flash flooding. Sarah reaches for her phone and notices she has several missed texts from Janet and Sally. Sarah closes her eyes and smiles. She sets down her phone and hears footsteps approaching from the hall. Sarah turns around and sees Jareth entering the room. Hey you, the kids woke you, huh? I was trying to sneak you breakfast in bed before you got up. Oh well. Jareth, I... Hey real quick, my love. Jack texted me and asked if we were going over to their place for a movie night next week. What do I tell him? Sarah stares at Jareth, speechless and smiling. Eh, I'll tell him maybe, I guess. Oh, we gotta get on the road soon for dinner. I heard it's going to rain hard tonight. Is your sister so good with coming over to watch the kids? Sarah approaches Jareth and puts her hands on his face. She rubs her hand down the side of his cheek lovingly. She looks deep into his eyes. Jareth smirks and looks confused. I am addressing the living? Sarah places a soft kiss on his lips. Is it okay if we just stay in tonight with the kids? What? What about the reservation? We can go another night. Tonight I just want to sit and watch the rain with you. Jareth looks at Sarah for a moment with tears in her eyes. Yeah, sure. No worries. Is everything okay, my love? Yes, everything is, is just right. Sarah wraps her arms around Jareth's neck and the two share a loving embrace. The end.